Well, uh, Merry Christmas. All right, hold on. Let me do this. Uh, raise your hand if you think um, it's okay to decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving. Raise your hand if you think it's punishable by death. Yeah. The door's right there, you heretics. It's funny, I said Merry Christmas to someone today because I was feeling in the Christmas spirit. My goodness, we have Christmas trees up. We've got Christmas lights out. Has anyone had a Christmas cookie yet? No. Or, just, or just a cookie and you're kind of like, mm, it's kind of the Christmas season? Yeah? Does anyone... Does anyone jump into Christmas traditions the weekend of Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who has, okay, who has a tree up? Yeah. Oh, look at you guys. I talked to someone, I talked to someone who said, sometimes we put up a tree and sometimes we don't. And I went, I was taken aback. And uh, listen, I love Christmas. So my, my personal rule, like I don't need it up on November 1st. That's a little early. Um, I know some, anyway, okay, here's another question. This is just popped in my head. Um, I know some of you are like the people that are like, we'll take the tree down next week. And then you get to like Easter. Does anyone like leave the tree up all the time? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like what's the latest you've seen your tree stay up? Looking for like a month or a. June? July. Are you just saying that because he said June? You're like, one dollar, Bob. Okay. The adults will get that. No, that's, yeah. <laughs> July 5th. I'm, yeah? Two. <laughs> okay. You said two years. Because you're like, it's coming. That's like, why make, why make my bed? I'm just going to get in it tonight. We're just going to put up a tree next year. <laughs> right? Because then you get back to December 1st, and you're like, guess you didn't have to put up a tree this year. Too lazy to, yeah, I feel that. So my deal is, my deal is, if the tree is not up by like the Saturday or Sunday after Thanksgiving, I start getting kind of itchy because I want that tree up fast. And so that's what we did um, at our house. And one of the things I love to do at my house is put like a Christmas movie on, maybe while we're decorating, and this year that movie was Home Alone. Anyone seen Home Alone? Okay. Some of you are like, I am not allowed to watch that movie, and here for good reason, okay, for good reason. You know why? Because it honestly should be rated R, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, you can say what you think, but let me tell you, let me tell you, okay, the reason parents are so afraid to show you those kinds of movies because we know that you might get the idea that the way Kevin talks to his parents is okay. And let me tell you, self-defense. Self-defense. That's valid, 100%. The wet bandits come in my house. So anyway, we, we put it on, and uh, there's that scene kind of somewhere between um, the dinner, uh, where like all hell breaks loose and someone smashes, uh, what's his name? The kid that pees the bed. Yeah. Yeah. Fuller. He's going to wet the bed. <laughs> uh, someone smashes him in a chair 
and then um, and then Buzz. But don't you hate Buzz? I hate Buzz so much. Sometimes when I see him in a whole nother show, I'm like, I freaking hate. You say trout sniffer one more time, okay? Like that's not okay. Also, that's a good quote. You pull you pull that out and just common conversation. Beat that trout sniffer. You're my friend. Like we are the same people. So we were watching this movie, and there's this, like, scene where it's, like, just boom, 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 boom. And Kevin McAllister is just just talking to his mom like she's the biggest idiot on the planet. But, like, every Christmas movie, like, if you really boil it down, has this moment where, like, it's kind of an imperfect scenario. One of my favorite Christmas movies of all time is Christmas Vacation, Um, you know? And that is, like, the picture of what messy Christmas looks like, right? That is like, it's like just mess after mess after mess after mess. And so it's interesting. Sometimes Christmas gets messy. Actually, two weeks ago, who was here two weeks ago? We had Friendsgiving, our first Friendsgiving ever. It was fun. We, the band taught, I, I, band, let me just tell you, like I had so many students say like, that was actually crazy helpful. So thank you so much for sharing uh, with that. But we also, we also played a game and our friend Eli, um, led a game. And what's funny is we sometimes we talk about these games um, and, and like in our heads, it goes a certain way and we're like, it's going to be amazing. And then it happens on stage and it's completely different than we ever imagined. So I want you just, I just want you to watch. Okay. This video is from two weeks ago. I edited it as a little bit I zoomed in about as far as I could so you could just see the moment. And if you have a screamer stomach, Christy Cox, turn your eyes. Okay, turn your attention to the screens. Oh, let's go, boys. You got 10 seconds. Oh, wow. Boys. All right. 10, 9, 8, 7. Alright, time's up. Time's up. Y'all are done. <laughs> Y'all are done. <laughs> wow. Listen to Eli. I'm so glad I have a trash can. Uh, I'm very proud of you, buddy. Um, it's okay. You're okay. Oh, my God. You're the worst. Wow. Okay, great game, guys. I'm very happy. So if you can't see what happened, all of that barf just landed on Eli's sleeve. Um, I'm going to clean this up. While I clean this up, um, I believe Mr. Martin is going to be saying something. <laughs> he's like, so uh, thank you for playing this game with me. And uh, uh, and he's just looking at barf on his arm. <laughs> he's like, doesn't know what to say. And sometimes it just gets messy. This is me discovering what's on the stage right there. And uh, I I had no idea it was barf. I just thought it was like baby food. I didn't know it was like redigested baby food. And so thank you, Jesus, for all you sweet volunteers who came and helped me. Uh, to clean it up, like <laughs> it was, it was amazing. So sometimes Eli just, man, just so great. No lie, threw up on his favorite jacket. Threw up on his favorite jacket. You would have burned it. Your know, dry cleaning's a thing, so we should. It's clean. Good. I bet you. I bet you. You put it on. Did you put it on? And then you're like, <laughs> did you just? You guys just got to make sure. You want to find out like on a date. She's like, something smells. It's washed twice. Yeah. Yeah. So things get, things get messier on Christmas. Now, now it's, if it's in the movies or if it's in real life, 
um, you know, things can get messy. And what I mean by messy specifically is not barf, um, but here's seriously what I mean. Sometimes it doesn't feel like Christmas, right? And um, here's what I, I love about being a student minister. So if I could have your attention for just the next few moments, uh, just kind of want to encourage you. Um, we sometimes get right into the middle of the Christmas season, and then it's, you're, you're kind of expecting it to be amazing. You're kind of expecting it to be magical. And I don't know what your childhood was like, or like my house childhood. Like Christmas was number one. Like it was awesome, and we had traditions in our family and things like There was always, I know Christmas isn't perfect for everyone, but in my house, like Christmas was, was awesome. And in my childhood, Christmas was my favorite holiday. And so there was a point, though, when I was a teenager where I kind of, um, I kind of grew out of the magic of Christmas. Anyone ever felt that? And you're kind of like, well, it's just kind of a, it's kind of a holiday. It's just kind of a thing. And so, like, maybe uh, you find yourself in this place. Now, here's the other end of it is, is just throw some really quick things out, like what makes Christmas exciting for, say, like a kid's, like, First through fifth graders. Yeah, go easy. Yeah. Huh? Profit? For a, for a kid? Kids get excited about profits? Presents. You did say profit, right? Okay, okay. Sorry. I, am I alone? I was thinking like businessmen are like excited about profit. Okay, moving on. Weather, yeah. Does anyone like wish it would snow in Texas? Yeah. Right? What was that? Okay, elf on the shelf. Christmas break? Sleeping in? I can't hear you because this one over here. No school? Yeah. So there's amazing, there's amazing things associated with Christmas. But here's what, here's what I find, okay? So let me, let me get you back real quick. There's, there's, a, there's a sense in which even I will get into the Christmas season, and I, I kind of associate if I put up the tree, I'll be happy. If I watch my favorite Christmas movies, I'll be happy. If I get to sleep in, right, because I'm on vacation, I'll be happy. And so I don't know if this ever happens to you. If, if I can just be honest with you, some of you maybe haven't hit that stage yet, where you find yourself in the middle of like a Christmas, like, I'm supposed to be excited. Why am I not excited? Or I'm supposed to be happy. Here's, here's the even the deeper side of it. So this is one of those moments where I am going to attempt to help you grow a little bit in your understanding of why Christmas matters more to adults, because you're going to be there in just a few years, okay? Here's why it matters more for adults, because adults go through pressures during Christmas too. Adults go through pressures in real life, too. Okay, so, so maybe you're dealing with things like family issues, right? Maybe you're kind of not excited about Christmas because you're not going to have that family member for the first time at Christmas. Maybe you're not excited about Christmas because money's tight, and you know that presents aren't going to be quite what you hope. And you start kind of getting this idea. Now, here's what's, what's even worse. What doubles up is that we compare ourselves to others. And what's true about every... I do like generational studies, like what's true about your generation versus my generation. You know what's interesting? All of us struggle with comparison. You guys, uh, the stats show, struggle with it. Just because of stuff you've shared, either in this room or like national stats, that comparison is one of the biggest problems in y'all's generation. 
And so you're watching what other people are doing, and you're like, why can't I do that? Why can't I have that? Why did they get that? Why is this happening to me? And what happens is we start to feel alone. We start to feel a little isolated. We start to feel like everyone else is having fun, and I'm just kind of living my crappy life right here. And sometimes life gets difficult. Sometimes Christmas, you're, you're expecting it. Like, oh, if I can just get to Christmas, it'll pick my spirits up. If I can just get to Christmas break. I, when you're in college, Christmas break means something because you just took your finals and you're done for the semester. Christmas break is amazing if you're in college because finals are rough, right? And so you, you kind of have this idea that if I can just get there, if I can just get to this part, that I'll be, I'll be better. And, and, and you might not. And so here's, I want to put some tools in your hand today and, and for this series. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be doing Fuse tonight, next week, and then the 14th. That'll be the last Fuse that we have uh, before Christmas break. Um, so we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 2. Uh, that is like the Christmas story. Tonight we're specifically going to talk about Mary. So Mary, um, this, this is not a big surprise to anyone. We find, um, we find that she's in this scenario. Okay, um, we, we learn in Luke, this is not going to be on the screen, but in Luke uh, 1, uh, I think it's verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31, behold, you will conceive in your womb and you'll bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. So that sounds amazing. And honestly, some of you have heard that so much that it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. It's like, okay, the Chris, we're doing a Christmas series. It's in Luke 2, you know, whatever. But the thing is, is that Mary's story every single year reminds me that Mary's story was very imperfect. Okay, so um, she is uh, very young. She is pregnant. You think pregnancy with the Son of God is a good thing because we're reading it and it's sweet, Right? There's the nativity scenes on our shelves and in our front lawns. Right? There's, there's all this sweet spot. We sing songs about this moment, but this is a teenage pregnancy. This is a woman who is betrothed to be married and has not had sex with her husband. I know we have some sixth graders here. Okay, I haven't had the opportunity to have that conversation. When a, when a man loves a woman, okay, and they... Okay, you can go there if you want. Um, so... Speaking honestly, this is youth ministry. I'm going to treat you guys like adults or young adults here. Um, you know, this was, she was a virgin. That's what that means. She had not had sex. And so there was no opportunity for her to have a baby. But does anyone believe her? Someone, <laughs> someone in your life shows up pregnant. And they're like, promise, didn't have sex. You're like, right, right. Was it an immaculate conception? And, and Mary's like, actually, yes. Like, there's this angel that... And what do you think about Mary if she is telling the story to you? Cuckoo. Or, like, she's a liar, right? That none of this is true. And what's interesting is if you read Matthew's portion in all this, we learn that Joseph, her, like, soon-to-be husband, is planning to quietly divorce her. Why? Of course. He's like, I don't believe you either. Now, what's interesting about that is he's going to have this moment with God, too, where God convinces him. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, I I understand why you're confused. Um, I'm doing something here. And so there's this one moment in history where something really messy happens. Now, we read it in 2022, and we're like, oh, it's so sweet. 
It's so sweet and so special. Like, oh, man, to be Mary. To be Mary, she was pregnant. She was riding a donkey, okay? Pregnant women in 2022 don't like to ride in their cars, don't like to lay in their soft beds, right? Like, because nothing is comfortable when you're nine months pregnant. And she's riding a donkey. She's going to give birth in a barn next to animals. And we're like, oh, the baby was laid in a manger. It's so sweet. A manger is a trough, right? Pigs are going to eat and drink out of this same manger, right? This is very imperfect. Here's why this story means something to me. Because in the middle, can y'all, can y'all stop chit-chatting for me? Thank you. Um, so in verse 6 and 7, we pick the story up. It says, while they were there, the nine came, I'm sorry, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Sorry, I forgot that. No room in the hotel, right? No room for her to have like a semi-dignified uh, delivery of this child. Okay, so let's go further. Let's go all the way into verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. Again, you're tempted to like tune this out. I dare you not to, okay? I'll see if you take the challenge. The same region, there were shepherds. Okay, so we're talking about the shepherds. They're keeping watch of their, their flock. An angel's going to come and talk to them. Um, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. Verse 10, the angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Let me pause there for just a second. Most times, angels like present themselves in a visible form to people in the Bible. That fear not thing is the first thing they say. Why do you think they say that? Because they're scary. Because <laughs> they're scary. Some, because something supernatural is happening in front of them. Okay? Something crazy is happening in front of them. I remember as a little kid, I remember laying in my bed thinking like, God, will you just show yourself to me and your glory and all this kind of stuff? And as an adult, I'm like, if God did that, first of all, I would die, would literally die. Scripture says if we were to gaze upon him with like just our eyes, like we couldn't handle it. That's God's glory. That's not, this is not even God. This is just the angels. So fear not, good news. For unto you is born in this day the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the birth announcement's here. Verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is blessed. So um, you've, got, you've got the shepherds at, who, by the way, are the outcasts of society. The outcast of this whole story of Jesus' birth goes counterculture to what you think like should happen, right? We think that that the Messiah is going to be born as like a king, a warrior, a fighter, this powerful, strong man. He was born a baby. He was born in a manger, a trough, a cave, a barn, right around animals. Um, he was homeless. There was, Isaiah tells us, the prophecy in Isaiah tells us, there was nothing about him that was special or attractive that we would behold him. It's amazing. Verse, uh, I think 15 or 16 is next. <clears throat> Beyond that? Bit two. Yeah. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph. So this is the shepherds now going to try to find this baby that they just learned about. And the baby lying in a manger, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Imagine if you're Mary in this moment, okay? This is, this is nuts. All who heard it wondered 
at what the shepherds had told them. And I want to pause here for a second. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. That verse 19 right there, for me, is special. Because there was something happening in Mary's life where she was able to trust that whatever was happening in God's story and our our human story was colliding in a very, very big way, right? We literally do like our, our whole timeline from B.C. to A.D. at this birth. There was a monumental thing happening, and she treasured these things up, and she pondered them. Can I just suggest to you that if your life isn't perfect right now, that's okay, in fact, I think the, the, the way I want to say it is that it's okay if your life isn't picture perfect this Christmas season because no one's is. But what you have the opportunity to do, and this is just going to stretch you a little bit. This is me telling you, like, hey, as a kid, the magic of Christmas had something to do with presents and getting off school and lights and decorations and, like, the family traditions. But at some point, that will not be magical anymore. And you'll say, Why, what's this all about? And here's why the adults in the room super care about Christmas is because we know that our life is imperfect and we're treasuring these things in our heart, right? We know that in the middle of our imperfect circumstance that Jesus is with us. I mean, in the middle of Mary's worst moment, Jesus literally is born into this world. And what's funny about Jesus being born is that up until that moment, so there's this thing happening in the Bible times. Think his history, right? The 400 years leading up to Jesus' birth, do you know what God was busy doing and saying? Nothing. Nothing. There's this period between the Old Testament and the New Testament called the 400 silent years. He was done speaking through the prophets. He wasn't working through the judges or the kings or it was just kind of like a 400-year like period of silence. And he broke that silence with the cries of baby Jesus, which was in the middle of Mary's like worst part of her life. Let me just tell you, okay? So this is fun, and some of you maybe haven't crossed the line of faith in, in your personal life, but if I could just tell you, those of us who have crossed the line of faith, we look at this moment as very important because when we're not walking through perfect scenarios— we cling to this. We cling to this. One last thing I want to show you. There's a, there's a painting um, that I love, love, love. Okay? And maybe you've seen this. Um, this is, um, I believe it's called Mary Consoling Eve. And um, if you notice, if you're paying really close attention to uh, the image on the screen, you've got Mary on the, um, on the right there, and then you've got Eve on the left. Now, Eve has a serpent wrapping around her leg. And if you notice, Mary's foot is crushing the neck of that serpent. And what's happening here is you've got the Adam and Eve thing that happened in Genesis, right? They failed. They sinned. They rebelled. And out of that came sin for all of humanity, And then you've got Mary. And the most imperfect scenario is looking at Eve and saying, I know. I know how imperfect it is. I know how tempting it is. I know how. And and guess what? The prophecy, the earliest prophecy, there's this thing called the first gospel in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. This is literally, I'll put this on the screen, and this will be the last thing we do. 
This is literally Genesis 3, where God is talking to Adam and Eve and the serpent and saying, based on this situation, this sin, this rebellion, he's going to talk to Adam, he's going to talk to Eve, but here's what he's going to tell the serpent. Because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Has Satan had his effects on this world through tempting us, through leading us astray, through leading us to sin? Absolutely. Does it feel like Satan's winning? Absolutely. Does it feel like sometimes God's like silent and Satan is just seems to be like free to roam and do whatever he wants? Yeah, he has bruised our heel. But Jesus, the promised Messiah, the Savior, is crushing the head of that serpent. And what I want to share with you tonight is that that message in Genesis is just as much a part of the Christmas story as Luke chapter 2. And so I hope that the lights, and I, I love it. I got a tree, right? We're going to watch Christmas movies. We're going to do traditions in my house. But don't lean on that because that, that, there's, there's nothing. I mean, it's fun, but what's, what's the fun? The fun is fleeting, right? The happiness is fleeting. When you find yourself in kind of the imperfect place this Christmas, I want to just challenge you. Lean into this verse. Go look up Genesis 3.15 and maybe just highlight that in your Bible. Maybe write that on a note card. When you are tempted to just think, why does my Christmas stink? Why has everyone else got all these stuff? Let's not lose track of what this is all about. Okay? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the promise of your son. Thank you for your uh, never-ending kindness and love toward us. Lord, I pray that we would, in the middle of imperfect, none of us have a picture-perfect story right now, but in the middle of all that, I pray that you would just help us to see with clear eyes what you're doing and what you want out of us, that we would give you glory. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen.